All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome in to Daily Faceoff Live, your go-to source for everything hockey, live every weekday at noon Eastern. Ooh, a spooky edition of Daily Faceoff Live, live on the Daily Faceoff YouTube, and as always, presented to you by our friends at Patano. The game starts now at patano.ca. Tyler Uremchuk and Frank Saravalli, I lost the Halloween costume. I'll just get right out in front of that one. Yeah, I, I had to get you to tell me what that is. I, I mean, me, old time hockey, Eddie Shore, let's go. You, what is that? Well, so the problem is I'm not big into the costume thing. So I just tell my girlfriend, do whatever you want and I'll wear it if it's simple. So none of my costumes make sense by myself. I'm the solar system. It only makes Was sense. Was Amber the sun so that you could revolve around her or what? That's funny. No, then she was a rocket. And like the year before that, she was a tree and I was just a lumberjack. I was shaggy. She was Scooby-Doo. So none of them make sense with me alone, but you wanted to dress up. So I had to do something. So you wore a t-shirt that has weird 3D planets on it. Good. Okay. Yeah. I think it's I think it's kind of cool and creative, whatever. Uh, did you do your own makeup or did uh, your wife help you? Yeah, I got a little help. I mean, I can't really draw between the lines, so I needed a little help. Uh, all right. Well, this will make for some hilarious clips on social media later for people who didn't watch the show. We'll be breaking down teams and systems while looking like this, but it's all fun. It's Halloween night and there is a lot to get to. Dave Jackson, ESPN rules analyst, former NHL official. He's going to join us in a little bit to talk about things like the Charlie McAvoy hit. Um, but Frank. Let's get into a little trick or treat here. It's Halloween. We're getting into the spirit of things. I got a couple of teams in both the East and the Western Conference, and I want to ask you if they are tricking their fan bases or 
if maybe some fans are in for treats that they didn't think they'd get this year, let's start out East where a couple of really surprising teams are the Philadelphia Flyers and the Montreal Canadiens. I mean, the Flyers sitting at 500, their points percentage is dead on 500. The Habs, 5-2-2 two, and two to start the year. Either one of these a true treat, Frank, or are they both tricks? I actually think both of these teams are treats in the sense that they are unexpected joys for their fan bases. It's like getting a, I don't know, pick your favorite candy, a Sour Patch Kids in your in your uh, pillowcase today. Look, um, the Flyers are a treat because they work, and the Montreal Canadiens are a treat because they're a team that I think are a bit ahead of schedule and going to surprise a few people this year. Just listen to their coach in Marty St. Louis, their loss to the Vegas Golden Knights. He said it was their best game since he took over as Canadians head coach. It was a loss. I think this team has an NHL ready playoff ready forward group. That's only going to continue to get better as we see some more progress from their young players. And also they just need help on defense. Uh, the, the Flyers are a bit of a different case. No one's expecting anything of the Flyers this year, but I like where they're at because they show up to work every night. I think they're probably going to regress a bit. They're going to be a team that finishes with 80-some points, not a playoff team, but don't be surprised to see the Flyers hang around a bit longer this year as John Tortorella squeezes every single drop from his teams. Yeah, and for me, that's that's been the one thing for the Flyers. I, I was kind of worried that, you know, the way last year went, and remember the Kevin Hayes stuff, Tony D'Angelo, I was like, okay, is this a room that's just going to tune out John Tortorella and be like, listen, we're not a playoff team. We're not going to deal with getting screamed at for 80 games, but at least early on in the season, that's been incredibly impressive. They, You, you do kind of wonder if maybe that's the worst thing for their franchise in general is just to be an 84-point team again, though, right? Like, it'd be good, I think, if you can get a top-five pick into the mix here and get some more skill in the next couple of well, years. Well, that's that's the goal, but listen yeah. to their president in Keith Jones or Danny Briere talk. They're not going to tank. Anytime they have a lineup on the ice, they're going to compete, which I think if you're a Flyers fan, that's what you want. But what you'd like if you're a Flyers fan is for Danny Briere to take some of these pieces off the ice so that your team can get another top five pick and be in the mix um, in that space. To go from 75 points up to 84 or whatever, probably moving in the wrong direction. Out West, same kind of question, Frank. A couple of teams who are exceeding expectations early on. We'll, we'll really dig into the Ducks in a little bit, but I wanted to pick your brain on the Arizona Coyotes. Do you think this Yotes team is a real treat? Are they capable of maybe getting to the high 80s, 90s in points this year, or is this a trick? No, I think it's more a trick, and I know that people have been all over the Coyotes this year. And by the way, we'll get to the Ducks. They're a huge trick to this point in the season uh, Frank Vitrano, uh, hat tricks, multiple hat tricks, nine goals in nine games to start. Um, but the Coyotes, to me, um, look, I, I understand the improvements that they made. I know that they wanted to be a more competitive th team this year and take a step forward. I think it's hard to not be super impressed with what you've seen from someone like Sean Dersey on the back end so far this year. Um, I like the way that Andre Tournier has this team going right now. But I, I think the Coyotes are a bit of a uh, a trick in the sense that a lot of people, they were a trendy playoff team. They, yeah. they, a lot of people saw them sneaking in in one of the seven or eight spots as a wildcard team. I just don't see it, not yet at least. Yeah, I, I have them as one of those bubble teams. The thing that's giving me a little bit of hope they've been average defensively. So, like, they haven't been terrible defensively, which I think a lot of people 
maybe were expecting when you looked at that blue line on paper coming into the year, they've been average defensively. You combine that and you take really good goaltending, at least so far, and maybe there's a reason why they can extend this thing a little bit longer. Part two of our trick-or-treat segment, Frank, I want to ask you about a couple of players who are off to great starts. And I think when you look around the league, you can maybe pick out some obvious players who are tricks. I, I maybe look at a guy like Frank Vetrano, but again, I don't want to ruin the duck segment that's coming up next. But a couple of guys who actually have me believing they could be in for really good years. The first one is Alexi Lafreniere, who appears to have found a home on a line with Philip Hedl and Artemi Panarin. They've both been incredibly impressive, and he racked up three goals on that five-game road trip for the Rangers. Is the first overall pick from a couple of years back finally finding his groove at the NHL level, or is this a trick? I'm kind of leaning more towards trick. And look, I, I think if you're a Ranger fan, you're super excited about what you've seen from Lafreniere to this point. Uh, certainly with the way that the preseason went, he's a guy that looked lost in the first couple weeks of the season through training camp. And all of a sudden you're having to ask some bigger foundational questions about, Hey, if Lafreniere doesn't get going, if Cap Capo Caco doesn't get moving in the right direction, how can the Rangers try and find a way to fill out their bottom six and get some meaningful production from those guys? And so, um, to me, this is a really positive development for New York, but I think it's a little bit too early to say yet that he's completely arrived. That is fair. Sticking in the East, we talked about the Montreal Canadiens. How about the fact that Sean Monaghan is off to the start that he has eight points in nine games? And this is one where, like, you know, you always have those players that you kind of feel for. And I look at Monaghan, got so banged up the last couple of years, even towards the end in Calgary. They were going on playoff runs for a bit, and he had to sit on the sidelines and watch Johnny Goudreau score big goals against the Dallas Stars. You look at last year. He got off to a very good start. Had six goals in 25 games, looked like he was going to be a serviceable NHLer, got hurt. Eight points in nine games, Frank. I am choosing to believe, because I would love to see it on a personal level, I'm choosing to believe Sean Monaghan can be a 20-25 goal guy this year. I think it's better than a good story. I think it's the real deal. I think Sean Monaghan, when completely healthy, is a really competent 2 or 3C on a really good team. Just look at the numbers that he's put up. Uh, when he's healthy last year, 17 points in 25 games, he had six goals. This is someone that before was in the high twenties, low thirties in terms of his production, but hasn't been able to stay on the ice and hasn't been able to stay healthy. Here's the thing. Sean Monaghan just turned 29 years old. It's not like he's way past his prime or anything like that. It was before his contract that was keeping him from being that significant piece that teams could add on a cup contending team. And now this time around, I think, you know, if he can stay on the ice, he's someone that is going to be an unbelievable trade trip for the Montreal Canadiens as we get closer to the deadline. He's going to be one of those guys that's in demand. And I'll take it one step further, Tyler. I'm going to say Sean Monaghan hits 20 goals before the trade deadline in March. I like that. I like that. I'll give you an early trade deadline prediction. Sean Monaghan returns to Alberta, but with a different jersey on than the last time. Yeah. They did the same thing with Bukestad last year. Sean Monaghan, I think, is this season's Nick Bukestad. Wow. The that, that would be a great fit, and also from a cap perspective as well. $1.95 million for Sean Monaghan. The Habs are going to do the perfect kind of rebuilding team thing. Stay competitive. Keep your fan base in it for a bit. Have a bunch of guys have great years. Sell them for picks. It's beautiful. Uh, let's zero back in on the Anaheim Ducks a little bit, Frank, because they are worth having a bit more of an in-depth conversation about, yes, the Frank Vetrano thing. That is remarkable. Nine goals in nine games. This dude is going to smash his career high. This road trip was very impressive for the Ducks. Greg Cronin has them playing some very inspired hockey. 
And they're doing this with the guy you see on your screen, Trevor Zegris, being an absolute ghost. He is dressed up as a ghost on Halloween. Uh, this Ducks team, are you believing in them or are they a bit of a paper tiger? No, I think they're a paper tiger, not a believer. Look at the production that they've gotten to this point. Um, the Frank Vetrano story has been great. I mean, it's all in the name. Frank the Tank, clearly. Um, it's an unreal start. But to think that Frank Vetrano is going to continue to produce the way that he has or Strom is going to produce the way that he has, um, I just look at this Ducks team and I say, it's a great story to start. I specifically love the... Um, the intensity that their new coach and Greg Cronin brings. I mentioned this on the DFO rundown today with Jason Greger, that he's one of those guys that he's got a Dean Evason type look to him. He sort of pierces your soul if he stares at you for too long. And so I love that he's bringing that to this Ducks team. It's a very Pat Verbeek style hire. Um, and I love that they're competing because I think they needed that. Perhaps things were too easy at times for the Ducks previously, but Mason McTavish is not going to be north of a point per game player more than likely this season. Will you have guys like um, Trevor Zegras finally get going? Of course you will. And so some of those things should balance out, but the ducks are not going to be a playoff team. They're certainly going to regress at some point, but I like the way that they ran through the East specifically beating up a couple non-playoff teams from last year. Um, and also taking down a Pittsburgh team with a third period lead again, that probably should have had another win. Yeah. Uh, here's the thing with the ducks. They can miss the playoffs and still have this season be a massive success. If you can end this year as the ducks organization and be in a similar spot that like Buffalo was the last couple of years where everyone goes, okay, clearly a team on the rise, clearly the rebuild worked clearly in the right direction. Then in 78 to 82 point season is totally fine long as you kind of get the vibes back on track in Anaheim. And all, uh, so, all you have to say is at least we're not the Sharks. So that's good. Exactly. Yeah, it's going to be very easy to not come dead last in the Pacific Division this year. Uh, last night, we saw the return of Blake Wheeler up to Winnipeg, the city where he sent, spent 12 seasons, an organization slash franchise where I guess he technically spent 13 with a year as a thrasher. And he got a little emotional. He even admitted after that it was uh, it was kind of tough to have to sit and watch that and live through those memories. You can see him sitting on the bench here on your screen. It ended in such a sour fashion, it felt like, that it's kind of easy to forget just what a massive, massive part of this organization he was. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm never going to forget it. Uh, having been to Winnipeg a lot and chatted with him over the years, um, he's such an intense guy and i think part of the thing that got in his way in winnipeg is that he wanted it so much that it just it became hard to keep it all together at times and i think the jets wore that for a bit um he's a he's a worker he he really cares um that's one thing that stands out uh when you you get a chance to spend a little bit of time with him it's been a tough start for Blake Wheeler in a different uniform as a Ranger. You see no points as the Rangers for the first time in their 96 year history, won a road trip, uh, swept a road trip of five or more games. They went uh, Seattle, Edmonton, Calgary, uh, Van, and also then wrapping up in Winnipeg. And it was incredibly impressive, probably not looking good for my Blake Wheeler best uh, point per dollar value in the league prediction that I had uh, in the preseason, but I love that he got a warm welcome back. I think he wore a lot of 
being stripped of the captaincy and different things that had popped up over the years. Um, he took that personal as you should, because at times it looked like he was one of the ones that was made to be a scapegoat for everything that went wrong. When I think it's the whole team that has to wear some of the lack of success that they had. And um, glad to see him get a warm reception in Winnipeg. Just quickly on the Rangers, yourself and Jason Greger talked about them a bit today on the DFO rundown, which people can find wherever they get their podcasts from. They are firmly back in the cup contender category for me. You look at the way they're preventing chances right now. Best five on five shots against per 60 in the league. And they were good at it last year. They were top 10. But the difference came, they were dead average when it came to scoring chances against. The looks they did give up were often really, really good. And I think we maybe saw that take a bit of a toll on Igor Shesterkin last year. This season, best five on five shots against per 60, best scoring chances against per, or second best scoring chances against per 60 at five on five. This blue line, how well they move the puck, how well they move their feet, that's keeping a lot of pucks off of Shesterkin and quick. And if Igor Shesterkin's workload is light, he's going to be the best goalie in the NHL this year. Yeah, that's the crazy part is the Rangers have only allowed 18 goals against in nine games. And Shesterkin has just kind of been okay. His numbers aren't out of this world. And that's a scary thought for the rest of the league is what happens when Shesterkin really turns it on on nights where they don't see a lot of rubber. We'd been saying for the last couple of years, the biggest issue with the New York Rangers is not their roster construction. It was the way that they played. It was too much of a mess in their own end. They were too reliant on Shesterkin to bail them out. And you saw at times when he wasn't at his best, the team would slump. Now they don't have that same type of pressure. And, oh, by the way, all Peter Laviolette's teams ever do is get to the Stanley Cup final. He's taken three different franchises to the Cup final, one once. If this Ranger team continues to defend the way that they have, I wouldn't be shocked to see it again. Yeah. All right, let's move along and get to our big segment this week with Dave Jackson from ESPN. Always a pleasure to welcome Dave Jackson in. His segment is delivered by DoorDash for a limited time. Our Canadian listeners can get 25% off and zero delivery fees on the first order of $15 or more. Download the DoorDash app and enter the code at nation 20 Five, Dave Jackson, there was a lot going on last night from an officiating player safety perspective, so we appreciate you hopping on to break it down. Let's fire up the film and start with Charlie McAvoy, though. We know he's getting a hearing at this point. He got a major last night. For you, when you kind of break down this hit from McAvoy, what makes it a major, and also what kind of suspension do you think we're looking at? Well, you know what? Suspensions are above my pay grade, and I don't want to second-guess George because he's bigger and tougher than me. But um, the... McAvoy made it easy on the referees last night. Uh, I'm not, I, I don't necessarily think it was malicious. I think it was maybe just reckless, a bit of bad timing, but clearly the puck is gone. So it, it's semi late, uh, which is one thing. And then he makes zero attempt to uh, hit through the core. Now we see a lot of checks where the head is contacted, but it's a hit directly through the core, a bigger player on a smaller player. Sometimes that happens. But the, the effort, the attempt has to be made to make a full core body check. In this case, all he did was pick the head. The head was, you know, he was hunched over a little bit. Puck was gone, shoulder to chin. I mean, that's a, that's a penalty all day long. And the only options the referees have are a two-minute minor or a match penalty. And that definitely rose above the two-minute minor. They reviewed it. Uh, the review was really quick. Uh, confirmed what they'd seen live, and they assessed the match penalty. Who knows what suspensions are going to be? That's not something I even try to guess. They, they, do a, they, they do a great job. So 
uh, we'll, we'll let that shake out. We'll know soon enough. Yeah. And we know now that because it's a phone hearing that it will be five games or less if they do end up suspending Dave. So great to have you with us. Uh, you do such a great job on ESPN. I wanted to ask about, um, Greg Cronin and how upset he was after the goalie interference review in Pittsburgh on Monday night. You know, it, it seems like when you really dig into the rule book that it's kind of clear that, uh, if that contact is initiated that, um, you know, and the, the players end up bumping the goalie that it comes back. Yeah. Greg Cronin seemed to disagree. We get a rare ejection, but was he right to be upset or was he offside? I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Well, okay, let, let me preface this. I, I really like Greg Cronin. I, I, I got to know him when I retired. I supervised in the American Hockey League for a couple of years, and I got to know Greg really well. And we had some great conversations, uh, philosophy of hockey. He's a very, um, he's a student of the game. He, he just wants, he wants to make things better. He wants to get the right answer. I, I think in this case, possibly a little misinformed. Um, I really like the call. And I like the fact that Freddie Lecouillet uh, had the jam to make the call in real time. Uh, he disallowed that goal on the ice which a lot of times I see it allowed, and then it's up to Pittsburgh to challenge the goal for goal interference. There was no doubt in Freddie's mind. He, he made the call. He was decisive. And so because of that, then uh, Greg challenged the call. He didn't like it. And I, I understand the frustration. You know, you're about to go up 3-1 on the Pittsburgh Penguins, and the goal gets taken away. So he challenges it. Now, maybe what um, gets lost in the message here is that any challenge is, goes to Toronto, the Situation Room it becomes taken out of the referee's hands at that point. They're simply on the call in case Toronto has a question, something to add, some context to add. Toronto makes the final call. Toronto is the uh, ultimate decider on, on that call. So they came back and they agreed with the call and they said it's no goal. Um, Greg's frustration after that was directed at the referee, which was, in my, in, in my opinion, misplaced frustration. Uh, the referee's hands were off it at that point. Now, if Freddie hadn't made that call in the ice, if Freddie had just said, okay, good goal, I'm pretty sure Mike Sullivan and his team of video um, coaches, who are very good, by the way, like their, their ratio of getting their challenges right is very high. They would have challenged that for goalie interference, and I think they would have won. Toronto would have said no goal, and we'd still be right where we are, and none of that is the referee's fault. They made the right call in the ice, and it was upheld by Toronto. So uh, his frustration... If you disagree with it, it should have been with 
Toronto and the hockey operations for allow, uh, for disallowing the goal. But really, I mean, it met all the criteria. The the attacking player forced the D-man into the crease, making contact with the goaltender. Then he held him there. He didn't allow him to be able to exit. And the uh, uh, attacking player himself had both feet firmly planted in the crease. Goaltender had nowhere to go. Now, you might say, well, he didn't want to go anywhere. Well, we'll never know because he couldn't come to the top of his crease. The attacking player had two feet in the crease. That's a textbook no goal. And uh, I just kudos to Freddie for making it in real time. I wanted to talk a little bit about the ejection side of it, too. Like we see so many times where coaches are losing it on an official, but then we rarely see either the unsportsmanlike or the straight ejection. I know the NHL sent out a reminder this year to coaches kind of telling them smart, not be nicer to the officials. But for you, when you were in that position, where did you draw the line? Like what was sort of the tipping point where you'd go, okay, you know what? That's enough. I'm not taking that. Well, to start with, I think in your mind, if you've never got the call right, you, you're, the leash is a lot shorter when, when you've made the right call. If you think you've missed something, um, it's a play maybe, a, geez, I wish I would have had that back, you tend to take a little more. You give a little more rope. You let them, their frustrations. And usually what you would do is you might go over and say, listen, I heard you. I heard you the first three times. Let's end it there. If they continue, then it's probably a bench minor. But in 99% of the cases, a bench minor does the, does the job. The coach realizes, okay, I've had my say. I got penalized for it. Now I'm done. I mean, I think in my career, 32 years, including the American Hockey League, I might have tossed five coaches in 32 years. And I don't know what the stat is, but coaches don't get ejected a lot in the NHL. Um, You can count on probably one or two hands per year on coaches getting ejected. It's not like baseball where it's just, you know, uh, sort of theatrics and they toss the coach out. Um, There must have been something said here that, that crossed the line. And the fact that the bench minor didn't, cover it and it started up again that soon after I mean I realized you scored on but there just becomes a point where as a referee you go I either deal with this now I gave the warning do I give a second warning or do I just get rid of him and uh, if I don't will this continue all night and make my own job tougher so uh, without knowing what was said I mean we all know there's a certain amount of words or actions that you just can't say they don't require a warning you're just gone and there's no hard feelings and um, I know most referees hate well any referee i've ever dealt with myself included you don't want to eject a coach it's it's not a good feeling you're not happy about doing it uh you've got to answer questions after the game you have to justify why you did it and um you know it's it's something in your toolbox that you use very sparingly and um i know freddie personally he's not a guy who overreacts so uh, something must have been said that crossed the line yeah i love that he tossed him i love that the nhl is sending a message to coaches that everyone's watching in the you know youth hockey minor hockey you can't cross the line when dealing with officials and it starts at the nhl level and goes all the way down to the youngest in minor hockey dave i wanted to wrap by asking about um something that happened uh between the avs uh the other night and the buffalo sabers the kyle Ocpozo hit on kale mccarr or i should say a little push mm-hmm. uh, i personally didn't like this uh, obviously there was no call on the play no uh, nothing from NHL player safety, which I understand. Uh, but to me, this kind of looked a little sneaky, a little shove in the back. What would you make of this hit? Uh, if you want my opinion, I would have been okay with a two-minute minor assessed on that play. I don't think it was worth five minutes. But I do think um, an unsuspecting push on a player near the boards is either interference or boarding. Um, that's what I would have called. Not that 
nothing says my judgment is better than the referees. He saw it once in real time. I've seen it. You know, I live in Denver, so my phone blew up from all my buddies that are Avs fans. Um, I've got to watch it 10, 15 times. I think probably a two-minute minor would have been appropriate there. All right, Dave, we always appreciate you hopping on and giving us your insight. It's fantastic stuff. Thanks for doing this. Thanks for having me, guys. Anytime. All right, Frank, let's move along. Hashtag Ask DFO time, and let's keep it Halloween-themed here for you. I, people want to know your favorite Halloween tradition at the Saravali household. We don't have any tradition, really, but I do enjoy... It's not too cold today. I'm going to have the old uh, Red Rider wagon out there. Uh, going to be wheeling it around the neighborhood this evening while the kids uh, are going house to house. I may or may not have a couple beverages in the cooler in the wagon. And uh, yeah, just have a make sure everyone's safe and have some fun. And my my I guess the one real tradition as a parent is being able to check the candy. You got to inspect it to make sure that there's nothing nefarious in there, which really just results in a first round pick of uh, your candy of choice. Yeah. You got uh, the Charlestown chiefs costume going this year. Best costume you ever wore though. What's your, what's your most memorable one? I don't know. I don't, I never, I was never really good at picking out the costume. It's kind of a downfall of mine. Yeah. I'm in the, I'm in the same boat as you. All one, right, let's move along. One year I went as uh Hodor from, uh, from game of Thrones. So that was good. Yeah. Uh, Doug in the Facebook chat wants to know, I know you and Gregor chatted about it earlier today on the rundown. Uh, the goat Halloween candy is Doug says sour patch kids. Oh. I am a fan as well. Do you guys have airheads in the States? Like just the straight, like taffy kind of thing. Yeah. But that, we actually have some uh, upstairs. We're going to be giving them out tonight. I just find mm. it's the, it's the too sugary aftertaste that gets me every time on the airheads. Yeah, there, there's a limit on them for sure. Uh, let's move along to our Botano Daily Bets for the day. Just a two-game slate on Halloween night in the NHL, and there is one bet that I like. Also worth noting, I got smoked last night. I had the under in Arizona-Chicago, Frank. Um, I mean, one goal for the Hawks. I didn't see eight coming from the Arizona Coyotes. So uh, looking for a bounce back tonight, and I am going with a shot prop here. Quinn Hughes on the left side of the graphic. His line is two and a half. It's paying minus 115. Not only should this one be more down in like the Pedersen range for payout, it should probably be up to three and a half at this point. Peters or Hughes has hit this in eight of nine games this year. They're taking on the Preds They're at home, should be able to keep the shots going. Quinn Hughes to get three shots. It feels like such a lock. And and I I I've been struggling as of late. So I'm just, I know it's probably gonna miss. My confidence is shattered. But damn it, Frank, eight of nine games. How does he miss it tonight? I don't know. It looks pretty good to me. I'm I'm all aboard with the shot prop king. Uh, Jeremiah on the heels of our candy uh, talk says we have airhead Tyler. And yeah, some days, some days it certainly feels like that with the Botano daily bets. The game starts now at Botano.ca. Let's wrap up the show. A little garbage time. Frank NHL teams have had their Halloween parties. So what's been uh, your favorite? What's your favorite costume? I mean, none creepier than Jack Campbell of the Edmonton Oilers. I know Evander Kane posted it on his Instagram. It's like, it's very creepy. And we didn't have the video version, but he actually like flicks the nose that looks like a penis. And he just kind of, it was, yeah, it was too much. And it's, it's interesting because Campbell is like, he's obviously very into it. So he's, he plays it really well. Um, it seems that his persona seems to fit it. 
Yeah, uh, his fiance posted a picture of him driving to the Halloween party. Can you imagine pulling up in traffic next to someone dressed like that? Can you um, imagine for- getting pulled over and being like, no, really, I'm Jack Campbell. Oh, man. So that happened to one of my buddies last year after a Halloween party. He was the designated driver, but he was dressed up as Shrek. So he was covered in green paint and he got pulled over and the cops like, you're blowing, man. Like, I don't believe you're wearing this sober. I don't care. You're blowing. Nice. Um, my favorite one, it uh, it was from a, a couple of weeks ago, but Ryan Reeves and uh, and his wife went as Martha Stewart and Snoop Dogg hilarious duo you know like the Bic commercials where they're both using their lighters for different things I thought this was funny and uh, they both played it really well uh all right that's a wrap on today's edition of the show Frank a spooky edition also before we wrap it up a big shout out to our friends at Wendy's as well the game is launching soon the daily face-off survivor game but what is available right now it's the all-new barbecue bacon cheeseburger from Wendy's with that fresh cheese going over the never frozen beef top tier stuff from Wendy's tonight it I had is, one it uh, treat. Yeah, I had one on Saturday as I was rolling through your neck of the woods in St. Albert. The barbecue bacon cheeseburger. Ooh, so good. Mike D points out that uh, Martha Stewart and Snoop Dogg also had a cooking show together, and that is correct. That had slipped my mind. So good costume from Ryan Reeves. Sorry, they the were a couple. Enjoy Halloween night and enjoy the two games on tap in the NHL. We'll be back tomorrow, noon Eastern time. Chat with you then. Thanks for tuning in to Daily Faceoff Live. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to never miss an episode. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. And let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount. And that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first. And you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.